0: Does your height, or lack of it, make you feel more or less accomplished or important? The man in our story acted tough, chasing danger, and even joining the Air Force flying fighter jets to distract others from his small stature and lack of fulfillment. Yet, he still felt as though his life had fallen short. (laughs) Let's get into it. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. Yes, and that includes sound effects. Today, we are doing this by sharing a true and inspiring story. I'm Timothy Gregory, and perhaps it isn't height that makes you feel small or in need to prove yourself, but what does? Hold on to that thought as we go to explore it on this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. The man in our story was able to prove himself, despite his stature in both his youthful victories and reputation, as well as his accomplishments in his postgraduate studies. Yet he still felt small and unfulfilled. You'll hear more about him coming up. Also, you want to stick around because later we're going to give the rest of you an opportunity to enter yet another sweepstakes drawing for a prize. No, it's not a cash prize, but it is a prize, and I think it's a prize you are really going to like if we draw your name. But first, let's get to it, folks the classic true story of Claire McCombs. <laughs>
1: Good afternoon, young man. Good afternoon, sir. My name's Claire McCombs. Claire? well, My name is Sinclair. Cindy Sinclair. Nice to meet you. Yes, I know who you are. You're a legend around here. Why, you're covered in sweat. Are you quite all right, son?
2: <laughs> yes, I just came a long way. I rode my bicycle here from White Cloud.
1: <whistles> wow, that's a long way by bike. Twenty miles at least. What brings you to Big Rapids? Well, sir, I'm looking for a job. aren't you still in school son yes but i'm almost finished i'm graduating early and i can't wait to work and you want to work here Uh, can't you find a grocery store or someplace closer to where you live no sir
2: you see sir i want to fly i heard you're the best flight instructor in the state
1: oh well that's very flattering but i assume you're not even driving a car yet are you sure you are ready to be a pilot oh i know it i promise i'll be your
2: best student it doesn't matter that i ride a bike. The Wright brothers worked at a bike shop before they invented the first airplane.
1: The Wright brothers? (laughs) Say, did you know that Orville Wright taught me how to fly?
3: Wow, really? Is that really true?
1: Yes, and I see the same spark in you that I had
0: so many years ago. This is Unshackled, dramatizing true life stories produced in Chicago by Pacific Garden Mission. Pacific Garden Mission opened in 1877, offering shelter and hope to the men, women, and children of Chicago's streets. The mission offers shelter, nourishing meals, hot showers, and rehabilitative programs to all who need them. Once all physical needs are met, guests speak with counselors individually to learn the tools they need to thrive independently and make a positive impact in their lives outside the mission. Now for broadcast around the Earth, here is episode number 3,704 in the series Unshackled, the program that makes you face yourself and think. The man in our story proved himself against those who physically towered over him. He studied under a famous aviator and overcame many obstacles before becoming a celebrated pilot in the Air Force he appeared confident and successful, but inside, he still felt small and ashamed. You'll hear more about him as we bring you the classic true story of Claire McCombs, right now on Unshackled.
4: I grew up during the Great Depression in the small town of White Cloud, Michigan. Being small for my age, I worked twice as hard to prove that I could be just as tough as the big guys. In high school, I earned letters in football and track. On the social side, I made sure everyone knew I could hold my own. Hey, lightweight. Are you sure you can take another shot?
2: Watch it, bud. If it weren't for me, our team would be the laughing stock of the town.
5: Okay, I admit it. You're our secret weapon. I can't wait for next season.
2: Oh, I don't think I'll be here, unfortunately. I need a new challenge. What's more challenging than football? The military. I'm enlisting in the Air Force. You're kidding. We have another year of high school. I'm graduating early. I know a man in Big Rapids who trains pilots. If you think I'm short now, wait until I'm a mile high in the air.
5: That sounds a little crazy, Claire. But I've learned not to underestimate you. <laughs> Good! I hope you find what you're looking for. Once I decided to join the
4: Air Force, nothing could stop me. I rode my bike 20 miles to Big Rapids to learn how to fly a plane. The pilot who worked with me was an early aviator who had been taught by one of the Wright brothers. In 1944, I graduated high school early to enlist during World War II. The war ended before I could begin my training, but I can't complain about that. It gave me a chance to spend more
2: time with a fascinating young woman I met.
6: Isn't this exciting? You're one
2: special lady, Joan. Everyone else is too scared to ride in my J3 Cub.
6: What a thrill! I feel so free up here. It makes me want to learn how to be a pilot so I can fly my own plane someday. Oh,
2: I know some female pilots. There aren't too many of them, but you'll be in
6: good company. I'm enjoying the company I have right now. I'd like to go on more flights with you, if you don't mind. Maybe I'll take you on a flight someday, too.
4: Joan and I married in 1949. I lucked out, meeting a woman who shared my passion for flying. But my career had yet to take off. The Air Force didn't allow married men to train. So I took another job, drilling on an oil rig. After three years of marriage and having a new baby to support, I felt unsatisfied and unaccomplished.
2: Then I heard some promising news.
6: I'm not sure I like the idea of you joining the Air Force.
2: Oh, come on, Joan. You know how bored I've been on the oil rig.
6: Will they even let you in? Being married?
2: They reopened their training program to married men.
6: Claire, it's too risky. Can't you do something else with a plane?
2: I've wanted to join the Air Force since high school. Besides, I need the type of steady work that will support our
6: family. This has been your dream for a long time. All right, if it makes you happy, then I'm happy.
4: I knew joining the Air Force would change our lives, but I don't think either Joan or I understood just how much our lives would be affected. We constantly moved to different states and even different countries, having five more children along the way. I never felt prouder than that day in 1950 when I graduated flight school and Joan pinned on my wings. Commanding a multi-million dollar jet airplane gave me a sense of unlimited power. For my first three years after graduation, I served as an instructor at three different bases in the United States. Then the Air Force sent me to the 36th Fighter Bomber Wing at Bitburg, Germany. In a strange new place, tired of constantly moving around and separated from my wife and children, I first realized there must be more to life than flying
5: jets. You're never satisfied, McCombs. You finally got your job in the Air Force, and now
2: you say you're getting disillusioned with it? Uh, maybe I'm getting older, but I'm not as excited about it these days. I-, I love flying, but my heart's not in it. I think the real problem is I'm unhappy with myself. Here, I'll buy you another drink. That'll cheer you up. That's another thing. I need to cut down on the booze. I'm wasting my time getting drunk every night after work. It's, it's undignified. Smoking probably doesn't help. I don't know what else to do around here, though. I'm going to finish
5: my drink and then catch a movie. Want to join me?
4: With my family back in the States, I had no one to keep me company except the other guys in the Air Force. One evening, I decided to kill a couple of hours at the Post Theater. On the way there, my mind wandered. I began asking myself some serious questions like... What am i going to do next year what about the year after that and where am i really going in the end my friend and i skipped the
2: movie and had a heart-to-heart talk who's this mr malby you keep talking about uh, he was my scoutmaster and also a pastor he used to talk to me about the importance of having a relationship with god oh i see i, I think the thing that's been Bothering me lately is, there's something wrong between God and me. I grew up in church, too. Do you pray? Uh, Sometimes, but something still
5: seems wrong. Uh, You'll feel better once your wife comes to see you. In the meantime,
2: let's go back to the bar. I don't like seeing you so blue. Uh, Drinking's not the answer. I've been drinking all my life, and my unhappiness won't go away after a drink or two. I know from experience it only gets worse. Yeah, you're right.
5: Say, I have a small pocket Bible at my bunk. I packed it out of habit, but it might help to actually read a few pages. I'll let you borrow it. I'd never paid much
4: attention to the Bible before. Now I started reading and giving it my full attention. I came across some verses that made a deep impression. One was in the 14th chapter of Romans. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. I thought of what it would be like to explain all of my life's choices and actions to God. My cheeks flushed in embarrassment. I'd said and done a lot of shameful things over the years. In 1 Corinthians, I read, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. I cringed at the thought of the things I'd done in darkness before being brought to the light. Still, this verse comforted me. It gave me hope that my heart could change
0: hopefully before it was too late alienated in a foreign country apart from his loved ones claire mccombs had no suspicion of what lay ahead of him during his overseas mission he would learn the most exciting lesson of his life folks we'll get back to claire's story in just a moment but first I wanna share a bit about how our ministry is able to bring hope to people all over the world. Unshackled is now in its 71st year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of well supporters like you. When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. Your support allows us to hire quality writers talented actors as you can hear, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. Through your support, we're able to share Unshackled worldwide. So in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. All you need to do is click on the live link if there's one where you're listening, or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org that's unshackledpodcast.org and then click the donate button or you can always write a check unshackled, we take checks you mail that check to 1458 South Canal Street Chicago, Illinois 60607 we thank you for your partnership in our ministry and now back to the classic story of Claire McCombs (laughs)
4: the Bible penetrated my defenses and made me realize that I'd fallen short of being the sort of man that God seemed to want. I wanted to make things right with God. So on the following Sunday, I attended a chapel service on the base.
3: Today is the first Sunday of the month, which means we're going to share the Lord's Supper. For those of you who are visiting for the first time, Christians take the Lord's Supper to remember the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for us. At the Last Supper with his disciples, before he was hung on the cross, Jesus broke bread and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. He poured wine and said, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as oft as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come." That's why we as Christians eat bread and drink wine on Communion Sunday, so that we never forget what Jesus Christ did for us to grant us the gift of eternal life.
2: I grew up going to church. Does that mean I have eternal life? I'm not sure.
3: If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, we invite you to come forward and take a piece of bread and drink from the communal goblet of wine.
2: Am I a follower?
3: I think so. I believe in God.
2: Maybe taking the Lord's Supper will make me right with the Lord.
3: If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, please come and see me after today's service and we can talk about what it means to be a Christian.
4: I took the Lord's Supper, thinking it would magically straighten out my sense of being on bad terms with God. Well, there was no magic. Nothing happened. Though disappointed, I continued reading the Bible. Soon I came across
2: something I hadn't noticed before. Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet? Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What house will ye build me, saith the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Hath not my hand made all these things?
4: I realized that going to chapel and taking part in rituals like the Lord's Supper wasn't the same thing as having a personal relationship with God. As I read more, I discovered that I was supposed to be a temple. And I wasn't a very suitable temple. I harmed my body with inebriation and cigarettes. I shared what I'd learned with one of my Air Force buddies.
5: You're
2: really serious about this God thing. Yeah. The more I read, the more I'm convinced that... The most important thing a man can do is get right with God. (laughs) You sound like some of those signs along the highway. The end is near! Well, it's important. I don't know if the end is near, but I want to be prepared to meet God when it comes. And the key seems to be Jesus. I'll be honest, McCombs. That name makes me a little uncomfortable right now. Of course, it might have something to do with being half drunk at the bar. I think it's because God seems so remote but hearing the name Jesus brings God close to home since God sent Jesus to live on earth as a man like us. I don't know. It all seems so far away to me. But maybe the sense of being far away is more mental than physical. When we meet Jesus, though, and he says, I and my Father are one, or he that hath seen me hath seen the Father, that brings it close. (sighs) Huh. too close for comfort. All this talk of being uncomfortable, aren't Christians supposed to feel peaceful? Uh, I would be if I were more like Jesus. He went through everything we did, but he did it with such strength and gentleness and selflessness. If I could be like that man even a little, I think I'd be at peace with myself. So what are you gonna do next?
5: What do I do
4: next? I turned to the Bible to direct me. I read the New Testament through five times. And when our squadron flew down to Tripoli for training over the Mediterranean, I tucked my Bible into the pack of my parachute. It was there when our airplanes took off.
0: Now you say you've read all the way through the Gospel of John? Five times. Now try and go through it again. This time, take out a pencil and mark the word believe every time you come across it. Believe? That's right. And as you do that, ask yourself if the kind of belief in the passages is the same kind of belief you have.
4: We lived in tents out in the desert beyond the edge of the base. That night I sat down in my tent to read through the Gospel of John with a pencil looking for the word believe.
2: But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. By this
4: time, I knew
2: I believed in Jesus.
4: I mean, I knew that he had lived on earth. But this, it seemed, was not enough. Then, in the 12th chapter, I looked at a passage that I'd read five times before. This time,
2: it seemed brand new except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be.
4: Suddenly, I realized that faith wasn't about believing someone or something existed. Faith meant believing in or trusting in. I said to myself, you've been trusting yourself and hoping that God would go along. But you don't need a co-pilot or a partner. You need a Savior. I stumbled through the dark, avoiding tent ropes and other tripping hazards, all the way across the base until I reached the chapel. There,
2: I knelt and prayed. Lord, here I am, heart, mind, and body. I want to trust only you and to live by faith.
4: It would be nice to report that Lightning flashed or angels sang, nothing like that happened. But immediately, I felt a change start to take place inside of me. When I returned to Germany, my wife, who had recently arrived from the States, noticed something different in me.
6: Claire, you're glowing! Are you really that happy to see me?
2: I've missed you so much, Joan. I've learned so much about myself these past few months, and I can't wait to share it with you.
6: Something sure seems different about you, in a good way.
2: (laughs) I've been reading the Bible. It's time for me to live a better life, and to be better for you and our children. I'd love for you to start reading it with me every evening.
6: I suppose it wouldn't hurt. It appears to be working well for you.
2: And it's been helping me to back off all the drinking and smoking. I still struggle with cravings, but I want to glorify God in my body.
6: I noticed you had that funny cough. Well, I'd like to quit smoking, too. At first, I decided that receiving Christ was something that Claire needed, but I thought I was fine without it. I kept reading the Bible with him, though. It was a simple thing I could do to make him happy. One evening, when we were reading about the Sermon on the Mount, We came to a passage I'd never heard.
2: For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. There, can you read the next part?
6: All right. Here. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. What does that mean, Claire?
2: It means that when you hate someone in your heart, it's like murdering them.
6: Then the thought is just as bad as the act? In a way. Why?
2: Jesus said that all the worst crimes spring out of the heart. In other words, the beginning of every bad act is in someone's mind. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him.
6: Claire, do I look like I have hate in my heart? I don't think so. Well, I do. I just realized that, for a long time, I've carried a burden of hate. Maybe it doesn't show on my face, but it's in my heart. I know now that you're not the only one who needs the Lord, Claire. I do too.
4: On that day, we became a Christian household. It's amazing how different family life is when Christ is the head of the house. It also makes a difference, I learned, when it comes to flying a plane. One day, I felt nervous when attempting a tricky maneuver in my jet fighter. Then, a promise came into my mind straight from the Bible and from Jesus himself. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. And with that, I felt a calmness that didn't come from me. It came from trusting in God. I spent a little over 20 years in the Air Force and led some of the other men to the Lord. Then I thought, what if I could spread Christ's message even further? I felt the calling to enroll in a Bible college in Grand Rapids. As I studied more, I came up with an idea to combine my two greatest passions.
1: You're one of our finest students, Mr. McCombs. Have you given any thought to what you might want to do after you're done with school? I'd like to stay in school a bit longer, sir, but this time as a teacher. Oh, well, you'll be a fine teacher. I know you used to teach pilots.
2: Yes, and I'd like to teach pilots here, too. But instead of teaching fighters... I'd like to teach missionaries. That way the Lord's message could reach people all over the world.
1: Oh, that's a lovely sentiment, Claire, but we don't have an aviation program here.
2: Could we start one? Few professions are as risky as being a pilot. Everyone who gets on a plane needs to ask themselves this question. If the plane crashed right now and you stood before God, what would you say?
1: Well, I know that your wife's a pilot too and a fine Christian woman. I like the idea of the two of you training missionary pilots. Let me speak to the administration and see what they think.
0: The missionary aviation program that Lieutenant Colonel Claire McCombs started remains one of the oldest such programs in the nation. He and his wife Joan went on to train hundreds of missionary pilots for more than 20 years. After training missionaries, They became missionaries themselves, serving overseas in locations like Italy, Panama, and Japan, as well as stateside. Joan McCombs went to be with the Lord in January of 2021. Claire followed her in July of the same year. In their long lives, they reached out to countless people who needed a Christ-driven purpose in their lives. Listening Friend Christ can fill your life with purpose and, more importantly, an eternal relationship with your Savior. Won't you call on Him in prayer right now? If you need help in making this crucial decision, get in touch with Pacific Garden Mission, 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607, or call one 888 Need him. Now, we love hearing from our listeners here on the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, so send us your questions and we'll answer them here. It can be something you're curious about or just something you want to share with us. All you have to do is write us at podcast at unshackled.org or call and leave us a message at 312-281-1264. We'd love to hear from you. Now, before we get to our sweepstakes drawing info. I just want to remind you to subscribe or like our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. You can even share it or tell a friend. We'd also love for you to review or rate our podcast. And don't forget to check out our other podcasts on this same platform, Unshackled Daily Devotionals and Unshackled in Person. We appreciate your input and involvement in our ministry. And again, please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. All right, here's the prize for our new upcoming Sweepstakes contest. It's another beautiful wooden scripture plaque of Psalm 5110 that says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Folks, this is gorgeous, especially if you're looking for, well, daily inspiration from scripture. You will love this authentic and very unique wooden plaque. The plaque has been sawn from a tree branch or log and well cut in such a way to retain as much of the bark around the perimeter as possible. This one actually looks like it was cut from birch as it has that really unique bark exterior. Uh, this plaque has been handcrafted around the natural character and beauty of the wood that God created. If you'd like to peek at this scripture plaque, just visit our podcast website, unshackledpodcast.org, and stop by the audio drama page. Unfortunately, we are only able to mail this plaque to locations within the United States, so our drawing is limited to U.S. addresses. But if you reside in the U.S., all you have to do to enter our sweepstakes drawing is call 312-281-1264 or email podcast at unshackled.org and give us your name, phone number, and email. The winner of the sweepstakes for this beautiful scripture plaque will be announced March 21st. But the deadline, folks, the deadline for entry is March 5th. And we look forward to hearing from you. And next time... Hello? Hey there, sis.
5: David! How's Laura?
0: Well, things are
1: getting a bit sketchy. How so? Laura's just erratic.
5: What are you doing? I could do it all by myself and I don't need you! Get out! Her moods do swing quickly. Well,
1: it's more than that. You know, she acts like a sweet little girl when she's with me, but I know she's feeding her darker side.
0: Looking to offset feelings of pain and powerlessness, Laura Perry turns to partying and satanic spirits that feed a newly fostered ego
6: she screams and rages every time i even try to talk to her let alone address problems
0: i think it's a spiritual battle will it be too late before she sees the light
1: god told me you don't want to let the demon go
0: you'll find out in part one of the true story of laura perry on the next unshackled heard in the classic true story of claire mccombs were jim McCants, steve Bayorgin, chuck mclennan demetrius troy elizabeth argus and David Bryan Stewart. Original music, Caleb Tolleson. Sound, Demetrius Troy. Sound assistant, Martin Robinson. Audio engineer, Michael Kahn. Recording engineer, David Pierczynski. Script, Jack O'Dell and Chrissy Spallone. That's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. So, until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ.